money in the year. Verse 1 to verse 9. The Lord commands Joshua. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give to them, to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon and from the great river, the Euphrates, all the high tide country to the great sea on the west. No one will be able to stand up against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their forefathers to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. Thank you, dear. Four ministers from the same town decided to go fishing one day. So they all got in a boat and they went out. Only nobody remembered to tell the fish to come. So there they were. Fish weren't biting, sitting around the boat. And they started talking and they started talking about confession and how it was such a powerful thing in releasing people from their sin. And so one of them said, well, while we're talking about confession, it says we should confess our sins to each other. What do you guys need to confess? So the one said, well, you know, I have to confess that I have a bit of a problem with my tongue. Every now and then, I just let rip with a swear word, and I wish I didn't, but it happens. Next one said, well... Now that you've had the courage to say that, I've got to confess that I've got a bit of a problem with lust. I'm afraid I see beautiful women and I get very distracted. So the third one said, yeah, well, I, I battle with gambling. Sometimes it's the horses. Other times I just find myself at the casino. The car drove itself there. And by this time, the boat had turned around because the guy who was driving the boat uh, was the last one who hadn't spoken. They said, hey, what's your hurry to get to the shore? You haven't told us your sin yet. And he said, well, um, yeah, 
Um, my son's gossiping. I can't wait to get home. <laughs> okay, we all have our character defects, the things that we need to change. Sometimes we aren't so keen that we change them because actually we enjoy them, don't we? But we know that unless we change, we are going to be stuck and never enjoying the full blessing that God wants on our lives. I want to use Joshua and his entry into the promised land of, as something of a metaphor for us coming into this time of change and having to have the courage to change the things we can to get into God's promised land where God wants us to live a whole and well life. Because tragically, as I look around the world, even at Christian people sometimes, I have to conclude that by and large, we do not live well. There's something in just about everybody's life that hinders us from getting to that place of entering the promised land. It's, as, it's like the River Jordan that we've just got to cross, that we've got to somehow change these things. Last week, we spoke about the things we cannot change. And until we get to serenity about those we won't be able to move on. But today is where the rubber really hits the road in the serenity prayer, where we ask God for the courage to change the things that we know we have to change, but we battle, and it's an ongoing struggle. Some of us, most of our lives, we've been struggling with them. How do we get that courage to change? Let's look at Joshua. Joshua followed after Moses. Now, he should have known better than to follow after Moses because anybody who followed after Moses was on a hiding to nothing. I mean, Moses was the great iconic leader of all times. Three of the great religions of the world look back to Moses as the one who led the people out of bondage, established a nation and gave them the law on which they would build the principles of their lives and their nation. Moses was the great leader. And so poor old Joshua has got quite big shoes to fill. And he's quaking in his little shoes at the River Jordan. I mean, Moses has led them all the way through the wilderness. He was there for them when they ran out of food, when they ran out of water, even when they sinned. He was there for them all along. And then he gets to the River Jordan and he ups and dies. That was not very cooperative of him, was it? Not that it was his choice. Okay? But Joshua is left now to lead the people through a huge time of change. They've got to get out the desert mentality and into the promised land mentality. And he needs courage for this. We are told three times that uh, God says to him, just in short, nine short verses, we are told, be strong and of good courage. Be strong and of good courage. Be strong and of good courage. There are two battles going on here. There's the outward thing. He's got to lead people through a, a 
flooding river, and he's got to lead them to take on great cities like Jericho and all the rest, as you know the story. That's the outward battle, but the inward battle is within himself because he is, I'll use the church version, very scared. Okay? In his heart, his knees are knocking. And he's told, particularly, don't be terrified. Don't be discouraged. Because those are the things that really go on inside us. We've got to conquer the inner battle in order to be able to conquer the outer battle. Joshua has three things on his side that I want to share with you. The first is God's promise. The second is God's principles. And the third is God's presence. So God says to Joshua first, I'm promising you this promised land. All the way from the desert, the Negev in the south, right up to the river Euphrates, and on the west you've got the Mediterranean Sea. That's all yours. Wherever your feet land, that's going to be yours and for your, your nation to inhabit. God promises him this special gift of a promised land. As I said, I want to use that as a metaphor of us coming into the promise that God has for each of us to live well. Now, please, I'm not promising anybody, and God didn't ever promise you that you will have health, wealth, and prosperity. But God does want for every one of us to live well. He wants us to be able to overcome these things that are obstacles in our lives and start moving beyond them to be able to change the things that we can change. What are those things? Well, you have to fill in, in the blanks here. I mean, for some people it could be an addiction. It could be pornography. It could be just battling to get rid of cigarettes. For other people, it may be that you live perpetually in debt. It has been said that it's not about how much you earn, but it's about how you manage that money. And somehow there's always just too much month left at the end of the money. For others, it could be that you've got into destructive patterns in your relationships at home and it seems like these are set in concrete and you're just never going to be able to change them. God promises you that there is a promised land for you, for your particular need. The second thing that Joshua has is God's principles. He says to Joshua, God says to Joshua, make sure that you obey everything that Moses, my servant, told you. God gave the Israelites a blueprint, as you were, if you were, for, for good living. Only trouble is that they blew it. That's what people often do with blueprints. They blow it. And they didn't get to the promised land for many of them. Some of them died in the wilderness. But it's all there for us. You know, we talk about 
the use of money, the management of money. The Bible says a whole lot about the management of money. It starts by saying that the love of money is the root of all evil. It talks about greed and all these other principles which if we obeyed, we wouldn't land in the mess that we often are. It talks about relating in the family. It says if you want to relate too well to each other, you need to submit to one another. While we are continually trying to dominate one another, we will always fall foul of each other. Submit to one another. It's, it's all there. God's principles are there. If we got back to God's principles, we would be able to live well. But, all of that probably just makes you feel guiltier. So God's promise and God's principles on their own are not enough. We have to have God's presence. You see, if I tell you it's all in the Bible, just follow the Bible, just be a good person and do what you know to do, that should sort it out. It doesn't. We need someone who will actually lead us there, step by step. Someone who will be with us. Someone who will encourage us. Someone who will show us the way. You know, a recovering alcoholic desperately needs to have a sponsor. That's what they tell us from Alcoholics Anonymous. Because in the middle of the night or whenever something happens, that person has got to be able to pick up the phone and say to the sponsor, if you don't talk me out of it now, I'm going straight to the bottle. You've got to have somebody there who will shepherd you through it. I've often said that one of the greatest blessings in our marriage is that Sandy and I pray together every day. She holds me accountable to, to keep my prayer life going. Because if I were otherwise too busy, I would have to then have to explain to Sandy why I'm now too busy to pray. But in another sense, God also holds me accountable to keep right with Sandy. Because I'd have to explain to God why Sandy and I are at odds. So that keeps me disciplined. It keeps me accountable for my relationship with Sandy. It keeps me accountable for my relationship with God. It is so necessary that we know that we're not alone. Now, I've been talking mainly about people who are with us. People are God's special way of showing that he is with us. They're almost like a sacrament. We're going to be saying in a minute that this bread and wine is Jesus' body and blood. I want to say that you, as a person, can be a sacrament to another person. You can be the presence of Jesus' body and blood right there with them. Unless we have God's strength, God's leading, God's help, we're not going to make it through the challenges. But we've got it all. We've got God's promise, we've got God's principles, and we have his presence to help us through each step. Okay, 
how do we move then over that Jordan River? I want to suggest three movements that have to take place in each of us if we are going to change the things that we can. The first movement is the move from denial to self-honesty. I think you've heard this all before. Unless we get honest with ourselves, we're not going to be able to do anything. I mean, unless Joshua got out of denial, he would never have been able to lead the people across the Jordan. Laugh, come on. You're slightly better than the 8 o'clock service. Let me, let me give a, a really offbeat example. Halitosis. They say that there are only two people who will ever tell you if you have bad breath. Your best friend and your worst enemy. Everybody else is too nice to mention it. Something can be done for bad breath. You can get mouthwash, you can get tongue scrapers, you can get different toothpastes. But you're not going to unless you come out of denial. And the trouble with bad breath is that you don't smell it yourself. So we've got to come out of denial to something, to a place where we can actually change it. Let's move away from something because bad breath just happens. Let's move to something maybe a little more uncomfortable. People will say, I can handle my alcohol. It doesn't cause a problem at all. It never gets out of hand. Or, well, maybe just once a month maybe I have a bit too much. They say that once a month is enough. We have to come out of denial and say, I have a problem with alcohol before I can change that. It's really hard to actually say this thing, I am an alcoholic. But until one comes out of denial, one cannot start to change things. How about something a lot more subtle than that. You know, many of us as males have grown up with the insidious belief that we rule the roost. I mean, it's just like that. We do. <laughs> and we don't realize often that by our attitudes and the things we do and the things we say, we can often be very abusive to women. Yes, it may never end up in anything physical. It may never end up with a black eye or a bruise or anything else. But the abuse is there just because of our attitude. But until we come honest about that and realize that we are chauvinists, I am a chauvinist, I'm never going to be able to change that attitude. Okay, we've got to move 
first of all, from denial to self-honesty, whatever your issue might be. The second movement is that we've got to move from cowardice to courage. Because it is so much easier just to keep this thing under wraps, eh? It is so much easier for our government to pass a law to keep things under wraps than it is for it also to be allowed to come out into the open. We would love to keep our secrets hidden. They say in Alcoholics Anonymous, you are only as sick as your secrets. So it takes courage, humongous courage, courage far more than I can even imagine sometimes. I can't imagine how much courage it must take that person for the first time to stand up in an AA meeting and say, hi, I'm Jack and I'm an alcoholic. It must take incredible courage. But I also cannot even begin to imagine how much courage it might take sometimes to change things around us that other people are perhaps doing. For a woman to have to walk out of an abusive relationship or marriage must take more courage than I can imagine, especially if that is a person on whom she depends for her livelihood and her support. Wow, where do we get that courage? It's huge. Moving from cowardice to courage. But God wants to give you that courage. But let me move on because in some respects I'm answering my own question here. The alcoholic can only afford the huge courage that, to get up and say, Hi, I'm Jack and I'm an alcoholic. Because he knows that everybody in the room has done that before, before him. And everybody in the room is also a recovering alcoholic. That's why we need each other. We are all recovering sinners. And so we have to take the last movement from independence to inclusivity. While we think we can do it on our own, we are just bluffing ourselves. I've heard, known so many people who have said, I will, I will handle it on my own. I will lose weight on my own. And some people do that. Congratulations. I'm very happy for you. But that's why Weight Watchers and other things are so important for people. To know that you're not alone. You can have support. If only you will have the courage to say, I, I'm not going to do it on my own. I'm going to use the support structures that are available to me. That's why we say to you time and again how valuable it is to belong to a home group in a church. It's not going to be the perfect place for all your issues to be aired, but it's a place where you can find love and support. We need each other. Jesus did not come solely to save individuals and get them into heaven. He came to create a community of whole people, a community where there is enough reserve capacity to spread this health and wholeness 
through the rest of society. That's what the kingdom of God is all about. And that's what we are part of together. I am not the kingdom of God. You are not the kingdom of God. But together, we belong to the kingdom of God. And change can happen. The change that has to happen inside me, the change that I maybe have to facilitate in my workplace, in the places where people need to find wholeness. God gives us his promise, his principles, his presence. You can do it. This is not just Barack Obama saying, yes, we can. God is saying, yes, you can. By my grace and by the strength, you can change those things. I will give you the courage. Come, let us pray. Lord, this is what we need most, is the courage to change those things that we can. We need to know that we are supported by loving people who will also keep our confidences. But Lord, we, we need to know, especially that you are with us, that you have promised us that we can live well when we live in your kingdom. You have promised us that if we walk by your principles, we will find that good life that you want for us, where the good shepherd gives us life in all its fullness. O oh Lord, when we have broken your principles time and again, come again to us and help us to know that your presence is the only thing that's going to help us to keep those principles. In Jesus' name, amen.